0: A creepy, true-crime case has finally been solved. Or has it? And then we often ask the questions, Alien life, does it exist? Has it visited Earth before? And most of the time, these questions are asked and answered by people who have never gone to aliens' home turf, aka space. So what happens when one of the most decorated astronauts of the U.S. space program... Comes back to Earth multiple times and tells his bosses, "The truth is up there." Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun. Whatever you're doing, snowboarding. I don't know what, what else you're doing. Mugging Bigfoot. He does have that wallet full of roots and berries that everyone seems to want. Speaking of something that I seem to want, coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now, give me some of that love. And it's our newest Patreon supporter. Give it up for Wob. Everyone give a round of applause for Wob. Wop, Celestia, no one cousin. Wob wobbles on into Dead Rabbit Command. Wob, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. That means so much to the show, and it means a lot to me. So if you want to take care of your good old buddy Jason Carpenter, just tell your friends, tell your family, talk about it online. And I know a lot of you guys do it, because we've seen massive increases in this show just in the past week. So thank you, thank you very much for those of you who are doing that. Wob, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. We're going to leave Dead Rabbit, man. We're going to take a nice leisurely journey. Because this first story is a little rough. We're going to take a nice gentle glide all the way out to Durango, Colorado. And as we were headed out there, I'm sure sure you heard the sound of a couple people letting go of Wob's ankles. They're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to hear this story. This story is fascinating to me. It's one of my favorite true crime cases, and I've been just, with lack of a better word, digesting every bit of information. That pun, will, that pun will not make sense now. The people who are plummeting away from the hair hang glider, they're like, I get it! Because they're aware of where this story's going, but I've loved this story. It's a tragic true crime story. So as much as you can love a story like this, but the mystery involved, has kept me at the edge of my seat. And I'm not saying any of that to downplay the real tragedy of this story. It's just, as a true crime aficionado, this one's held my attention for quite a while. It's been this ongoing process. So November 18th, 2012. In Durango, Colorado, there is a man named Mark Redwine. A divorced father of a couple boys from a couple different marriages. And he would have custody of his kids from time to time. He was legally considered a good pop. So the court gave him custody on certain dates, mandatory custody. Whether or not the kids wanted to go, they were legally obligated to go. They had to. That's the worst. It's almost like prison at that point. Now, you hope that the kids would come to love their dad despite all of his flaws. Like, yeah, mom and dad couldn't stay together, sons, but I still love you. You know, it, it, it takes a court-mandated order for, to give me the time to tell you this, and maybe over time you will learn to forgive me for cheating on your mom or whatever. But in this case, the obligated court-ordered visitations were not doing Mark Redwine any favors. Because a couple years ago, his sons, Corey Redwine and Dylan Redwine, are at his house. And he's asleep, it's late at night, and they get his laptop. I don't know. It's very... The story is very interesting. I don't know what sparked them to do this. Maybe it was just childlike curiosity. You find a laptop. (laughs) Jason, there's nothing wrong with wanting to use laptops. What are you talking about? What are you, some sort of Luddite all of a sudden? They had his... Their dad's laptop is locked. And they bypass his security lock. That's one. And then they take the laptop into the bathroom. Because they don't want the dad to know that they're on his laptop. Maybe they're expecting to see porn. Maybe they're like, oh, dad might be into boobs, right? You think dad's into boobs? No, I think dad's more of a butt person now that we're having this super disgusting conversation. We shouldn't be. But maybe they want to look at some porn, see what their dad... Who would... would, I I do not... Okay, I don't know if they're trying to find their dad's porn, but I'm going to tell you right now, that's what they found. I don't know if that's what they set out. (laughs) Maybe they're just trying to download some V-Bucks app. They found their dad's porn. Now, it's not as bad as you think. Usually when we talk about stuff like this, like finding their dad's porn, it's child porn. It's not that bad. But it is so gross. It's so gross that I go to true crime websites all the time. This is so funny. I, with bated breath, waited, honestly, like half the year, like six, seven months for these photos. Because although crime websites will constantly show video footage, it's like a young woman's walking down New York, and a man walks up and shoots her in the brain. <laughs> it's just like, it's like an autoplay. You go to the website, and there's this little, like, web M, or this GIF of this woman getting blasted. They refused. Uh, uh, true crime websites, at least the ones I went to, refused to show the photos that they found. They would describe them. But they would barely describe them. They would just say a sentence. And the sentence really makes you go, wait, what? I want to see these photos. And then finally, maybe like in June, it was very, very recently, June of this year, they said, okay, guys, there's this website I go to every day. It's called CrimeOnline.com. It's really cool. Crime website, they go, okay, we're going to show you the photos. But these photos are so disgusting, we're not going to host them on our website. We're going to have a link to someone else's website. So get, get them while you can, guys. They may end up taking these down. Here were the photos. Because boy, the boys take the laptop into the bathroom. They see these disgusting photos. And Cole, the older brother, pulls out his cell phone and starts taking pictures of the photos. Now, this whole part of the story is happening like a 2010, I think. 2011. So it's like really not the best film quality camera. But it actually makes the photos so much more creepier and i with with great suspense, I know you guys are waiting for this. The photos are of imagine you find these photos of your dad <laughs> finding these photos of anyone would be gross. Finding these photos of your roommate would be unsettling but if they if you found them of your dad and you were trapped in his house right now <laughs> you're you're both minors. It'd be horrifying. What they find are photos of this there's a photo of Mark Redwine. And he's wearing women's clothing. That's fine. That's not, there. I'm not I'm not like, oh, drop the mic. That's the craziest thing a man's ever done. No, it's not that. He's wearing women's clothing just to build the mood. And he has this brown material all over his face. And you're like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know my dad was a chocolate aficionado? And then there's like a close-up. I'm going off memory. <laughs> I'm going off memory because I don't want to look at the photos again. I've already seen them twice and they're disgusting. Second one is a little bit closer and you can see more chocolate stuff on his face. The third <clears throat> the third photo looks like some it looks <clears throat> if if a black metal album from Sweden has <laughs> their cover, people would go too much, bro. Too much. That one with your bandmate who committed suicide. Yeah, that was that was okay. But this one, it's a close-up. Mm, of a man, of, of not a man, Mark Redwine, with a poop-filled diaper. This was described all the time on Crime Online, <laughs> like eating Cheerios. I'm like, oh, I want to see those photos. It's a picture of a man with a poop-filled diaper stuffed in his mouth, and he's eating the poop. There you go, Jason. <laughs> Jason, you hey, haven't you seen Two Girls, One Cup? Jason, I've seen way worse stuff on this website, blah, 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 blah. Well, here's the thing one probably yeah i have seen two girls one cup is absolutely disgusting i hated it i didn't finish watching it it was super gross but it was super glossy it looked like they shot it at evil angel studios or some porn place right this was this because the cinematography of it was so grainy and made it even creepier and it wasn't, you didn't know the girls from Two Girls, One Cup, right? You weren't like, Rebecca, no! It was just two models that got paid to do that, they were probably into it, and they were having a good time. It was disgusting. I think it was the beginning of the end of Western civilization, if you ask me. I think that, you talk about 9-11, everything changing. I think Two Girls, One Cup, I should do an episode on that. I actually think that that was the first push towards oblivion for civilization i really think of i've never seen it so widely accepted something that disgusting that was real but anyways you know to this day there's a lot of podcasts called like two girls one ghost or two girls one true crime podcast and they're playing off that it's that much of a meme and i do think that that was the beginning of the end of civilization but we'll talk about (laughs) we'll talk about that interesting concept try to remind me I'll, i'll probably forget to talk about it, but I'll never forget, I do, I do think that, I think, that was a, a site op, I think that was, that was promoted unnaturally, not unnaturally because of the fetish, I think that it shouldn't have gone viral, and it did, and I think uh, someone, or a group was behind it, for some reason or another, but we'll talk about that another time. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, poop, poop, eating a poop-filled diaper. So <laughs> how did I forget what we were talking about when I was just talking about Two Girls, One Cup? And so it's not only is it somebody you know in this video or these photos, and it's it really gross cinematography, which does add a creepiness layer to it. These photos may have led to a murder. And let me add, there is one more photo, too, of him wearing the poop-filled diaper. That's a de-escalation, though. I mean, after you're eating it, after you're eating it, he's like, yum, yum, yum. Now you know it'll be really gross if I use it for its intended purpose. But the, I think the prosecutor, because the photos were laid out, the prosecutor probably should have shuffled them to make it, like, less gross to most gross. But maybe the maybe the prosecutor hates sitting in poopy diapers. It's a horror. He's like, that was the worst photo, guys. I almost didn't show that to you. And everyone's like, as he's eating, he's eating Chibotle at the trial. He's like, oh, as long as I don't have to sit down in a poopy diaper, everything's A-OK. Creepy story, but this has led to murder allegations. November 18th, 2012, in Durango, Colorado, Dylan Redwine has to go spend Thanksgiving with his dad, Mark, and he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to for two reasons. One, one, the photos. I mean, you just don't want to visit a guy who you're stuck with, like if you have a friend who's into this and you can leave, you can leave whenever he starts going, I'm hungry, you're like, okay, dude, I'm out, he's he's reaching for the Denison's chili, he's like, making a marshmallow diaper, you can leave, but you don't want to be stuck with someone who's eating poop, I'm just assuming, my audience could be like, I'm unsubscribing to this podcast, he obviously doesn't get me, he doesn't understand the deliciousness of my fetish, You'd, I, I, you wouldn't want to be there, but also he, he was hated the way that his dad was talking to his mom. He could hear him arguing over the phone, and he was like, Dude, this is just a piece of trash, you don't want to be with him. But The mom is like, it's court-ordered, you have to go. November 18th, 2012, he goes to Colorado. Mark Redwine picks him up. They go to, I think, a McDonald's and a Walmart. There's v- surveillance footage of them going to a couple different locations. Then 9.56, a text message was sent from Dylan's phone. And since then, no one has ever seen Dylan again. And that's where the mystery stood from 2012 to 2013. So that first half a year, first six, seven months, you had Mark Redwine going, listen, we got in a fight, we did but dylan ran away he just left the house you guys know that he hates me first off officers do you have anything to eat do you have anything to eat does there happen to be can we stop at the maternity ward on the way to the police station i'm famished but then he goes listen he ran away and uh, who knows what happened to him we live in this mountainous region we're in colorado for crying out loud there's like bears and mountain lions in the area and the cops are kind of like looking at each other and they're like yeah i guess but They don't have enough evidence to charge him. In 2013, though, about five miles away from the Durango household of Mark Redwine, they find bones, a couple bones, some clothing, and they test it. And they are the bones of Dylan Redwine. And at this point, Mark Redwine goes, I told you guys that. I told you you guys exactly where the location of the body would be. No, he goes, listen, I told you he ran out. It was most likely he got attacked by some sort of... Animal, which is rare, but not unheard of. And he's a 13-year-old boy who's running into the wilderness. Anything could happen. He goes on the Dr. Phil show. Mark Redwine goes on the Dr. Phil show, with which God bless Dr. Phil's heart. But I really wish his shows were available online. I get it. It's not an easily accessible show to watch. But I watched a couple of clips from this episode. And it's what you would expect from this type of story. His family saying that he's gross and a murderer probably more of they probably more accusing him of murder first and then him going I didn't do it I didn't do it and he took a polygraph test and then I couldn't find I couldn't find the polygraph test but I'm assuming he passed it or it was inconclusive or anything like that because because he's still walking around free in 2013 in 2015 they find Dylan's skull and when they're looking at the skull they see what appears to be blunt force trauma Now, could a wild animal cause blunt force trauma? It's unlikely. Like the swat of a bear's paw, that's like about 10 baseball bats hitting the side of your dome. But it's enough for the coroner to rule he probably got his head caved in and it probably wasn't a wild animal. In 2017, Mark Redwine is finally arrested. A good five years after the event, his disappearance. And then um, Prosecutor Fred, you know, prosecutors, defense lawyers, they're really, they're salesmen. They're speech givers, they're politi- That's why lawyers make such good politicians. I want to read you this bit of Prosecutor Fred Johnson's very short quote here, uh, talking about this trial or talking about this event. I love this type of stuff. Quote, After 9.56 that evening, all communication from Dylan Redwine stopped. That night, under the shadow of Middle Mountain, the defendant murdered. Dylan Redwine. Unquote. That's really cool. (laughs) I'm not saying that it's cool that he murdered this kid, but it's very visual. It's very evocative, isn't it? And apparently, he also lived near where the dwarves hide all their gold, Middle Mountain. Blood all over the house. There's going to be blood all over your house. It's just going to happen. He's like, oh, no, that blood came from when he was clipping his finger and he got too close to the skin. That was when he stepped on that nail. And you can kind of explain a bunch of stuff. His... This is such an interesting trial because it does make sense that a kid running out into the wilderness could die of natural causes. And the evidence against Mark Redwine was there was blood of the boy in his house, a house that he lived in, that he drove his ATV down a road where they eventually found the body. It was an AV it was an ATV road. It wasn't just some random road. It was like where you'd go ATV and the family saying he didn't seem too concerned about finding Dylan. And he was the only one with a motive. He's found guilty. Based on, that's so circumstantial. Now, I I think he was guilty. I do think he was guilty. But I don't think there would be enough evidence there to prosecute him for that. He was just found guilty in July 2021. And I missed it because I was on vacation. I wasn't reading anything. I've been waiting to cover this story, but I wanted to wait till the end of the trial. I wanted to wait until it was done before I shared it with you. I wanted to find out what the conclusion was, but... He's going to be sentenced on October 8th. I mean, obviously, the sentence is either life in prison without parole or death. Fascinating story, though. I love it because it's a mystery. It lasted for years. It's actually a pretty good alibi. That's really good defense. I didn't do it. The Bears did. And it would make in that area. (laughs) It's not going to work in downtown Sacramento. It's a good defense. It is a good defense. And the weird fetish angle to it as well. If it was a guy just killing his kid, you, I, it happens every single day. But, oh man, those photos. So a true mystery. It, was he really the guy? I think so. But who knows? The truth of the story could still be out there on Middle Mountain somewhere. Evidence that would show that Mark Redwine is not a murderer, but just a totally disgusting dude. He's gonna get into prison. He's like, oh, this prison food reminds me of home. Everyone's like, dude, this stuff's stuff super disgusting. He's like, yum, yum, yum. Yummy in my tummy. Can I have some of your food, sir? Wob, let's go. Wob's like, damn it, I swear, I'm shocked I still get Patreon supporters because it is so oh it's so random what episode you end up on. Wob's already sent it off. They're like, nah. I'm good. I'm totally good. Well, let's toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We're going to leave behind Durango, Colorado, and we are headed on out to the very edge of space. <laughs> Carpenter Copter is taking us off to where the blue meets the black, where the atmosphere slowly gives away to the icy grip of the abyss. I could be a prosecutor. I would much rather be a defense lawyer. I think it's way more fun. But I can say snazzy stuff too. We're in zero gravity, so we're kind of floating around. And Wob is slowly. Mo- I don't think we've ever taken the copter this high up. We're floating into space, and we're just kind of floating around. It's a having a good time, right? Throwing a beach ball. We're throwing the slowest thing. We can't even tell it's in zero gravity. You're like Jason. Why aren't we throwing like anvils or something? If you threw an, an- if you're in space and I threw an anvil to you. Would it kill you? Like in real life, if I dropped an anvil on your head, you die. But if I dropped an anvil, <laughs> your spacesuit gets all shattered. I was like, I was just testing it, bro. You're all, you can't breathe. <laughs> I mean, but think about it. If you dropped it in space, it would just kind of float there, right? There is no dropping it. I wonder if you could play baseball on the space station. <laughs> this, is why, <laughs> this is why they'll never allow me anywhere near any technology. I'm like, oh, what does this button do? It's CERN. I bring Nelson Mandela back to life. All this craziness. So anyways, uh, we'll, we'll let the space nerds. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get a ton of emails explaining stuff to me. And I do love those emails. I often get them usually from English majors and people who are <laughs> correcting my grammar. This is one of those fascinating stories that is packaged in such a bizarre way. I just don't understand it. We recently talked about it on yesterday's episode about how journalists are supposed to write their articles in an inverted pyramid, and you put the best information, the most important information, at the top, and it gets less informative as you go down so the editors can edit it, or the reader can stop reading it, and they get the gist of the information at the top. The problem is is that paranormal, in particular, paranormal writers are not journalists, but they churn out articles constantly. Now they may be good paranormal researchers but they're not they're not journalists. They don't know how to structure an article in a classic journalist way. Drives me up the wall. Drives me up the wall. And I don't want to call out certain web I'm going out a website now but a lot of the paranormal websites they're just a mess. Their articles are just really really poorly written. No and I'm not in a informational way. They're just formatted they're not even written like in a magazine format. They're just written as if someone was... I, I don't I don't even know how to describe it. They're headache-inducing for me, and I have to read them to get stories for this show. But it's fascinating. It, you, you, guys, if you're a paranormal researcher, just take a journalism class or buy a journalism book for crying out loud. But anyway, so here's a website that I go to all the time. It's a great website called howandwise.com. They have a lot of really good information on here. I found a lot of cool stuff. And this is an article called... Well, I won't tell you the title right now. It's written by a journalist named Vicki Verma. Again, I'm not calling you out for being a bad researcher, but it's just such a bizarre... It's not a very well-structured article. I'm reading it, and it starts off with quoting a Gaia article. With Gaia, if you don't know, is middle-aged mom, metaphysics. It's a website that specializes in... Just the hokiest of the hokies. (laughs) Unless they're sponsoring this, unless they're sponsoring my podcast or I'm on their channel one of these days, then it's the best source of of information around. But as of now, when they're not paying me, just a bland repackaging of paranormal and consciousness and stuff like that. At best. Then they have stuff, (laughs) then they have stuff that's just straight up fictional, but passes as reality, like the guy who says that he was an Atlantean warlord. And this article... That they're referencing, Vicky Verma talks about a transcript between Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong as they're exiting the lunar module on Apollo 11, and it's like here's a dramatic reenactment of what Gaia. No recording of this, by the way. I looked, I looked, Gaia. I tried verifying it. Future bosses, I tried verifying it. Apollo 11. Uh, those are giant things. No, no, no. This is not an optical illusion. No one is going to believe this. This is NASA command. Shh, what? what? What the hell is happening? What's wrong with you? They're here, under the surface. Shh, who's there? Shh, c- c- calling Apollo 11. We saw some visitors. They were here for a while, observing the instruments. Repeat your last information. Sh- repeat your last information. I see there are other spaceships. They're lined up in the other side of the crater. And then it just kind of goes on from there. Right? You're like, Jason, that's it. That sounds super interesting. Keep reading me that. What other nonsense What other nonsense are you possibly trying to speed towards? You gave that half-assed reading. I know I know you can do a better dramatic reading than that. You're an actor for crying out loud. What could what could be more interesting than that? Well, that is not true. And the truth is always more interesting than fiction. If I could have found a recording of that, oh, that would have been awesome. I would have done... I probably would have just quit the show and started a new show where I analyzed that recording every day. So in this article I'm reading, I was like, I, here's the thing. I'm open to it, and I tried finding this. I went to the Gaia website. I went to the Gaia website, subscribed. I joined. I joined. I'm now an Atlantean warrior, but... I tried looking for the recording of this. I tried looking for anything that backs this up. And there's nothing to back it up. It's a transcript. If this was true, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. But in this, that's how the article starts off. And I'm, my eyes are rolling. My eyes are rolling so hard. They've basically achieved a zero gravity. But in this article, after you read about that, you get to Dr. Story Musgrave. And because I'm already primed not to believe what's coming up next, because I'm already like, that isn't real. And I've checked it out. It wasn't that I just read that and I'm like, what? Aliens, those don't exist. I stopped reading. I go, wait, that's weird. And I started looking for other versions of the transcript or an audio version or any proof that this existed. And it doesn't. And then I go back to the article and I'm already primed to be like, this is made up. I almost didn't finish reading the article. Then they get to Dr. Story Musgrave. This guy goes on the record. There is a voice recording of him talking about what he saw. Dr. Story Musgrave, you may not know who he is, maybe you do. He helped design essential space shuttle equipment like spacesuits and life support. He's been to space six different times, he's been on six different space missions. He is the only astronaut, the only U.S. astronaut to fly in all five shuttles including Challenger, before it blew up. Not afterwards, that would be the feat. you have flying in a go shuttle, Ma. And if none of that impresses you, he was also a guest star on Home Improvement. Ho, 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 ho. The headline of this article, retired NASA astronaut claimed to have seen snake-shaped UFOs during two missions in space. It starts off with this bizarre fictional account. Of this UFO float, what was it? I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, they were on the lunar crater and um, some aliens showed up. Totally fictional. So when I get to this transcript of what Dr. Story Musgrave said, I was like, what, well, that's not true. But but how's and wise includes a link, a video link, to an episode of an old show called Sightings. And let me read you this transcript. This really should have been the only thing the article was about. Let me read you this transcript. On two of my missions, and I still don't have an answer, I have seen a snake out there. Six, seven, eight feet long. It is rubbery because it has internal waves in it, and it follows you for a rather long period of time. The more you fly in space, the more you see an incredible amount of things out there, and that sort of brings to you really a certainty that other living creatures are out there. Some incredibly primitive. More primitive. Some just uh, just proteins coming together. Amino acids. And, and some just single-cell organisms. And other civilizations that have been around for a million years that are doing unimaginable kinds of things. Unquote. And while he's doing this while he's speaking about this on the sightings video, they show what appears to be real footage from a shuttle in space. And you see this weird snake-like object floating far, far, far above the earth next to the shuttle. It's fascinating. Sorry. And I've seen footage like that before. And I've seen the weird orbs and all this stuff that seem to be outside of the earth's atmosphere. Absolutely fascinating stuff. And here we have, One of the most highly decorated astronauts ever coming forward in a non-faked transcript on audio saying, this is what I saw. There's snakes in space. He also does an interview with Forbes later on. And he, at that point, he's talking more about traditional aliens, what we think of as like greys and reptilians and stuff like that. He is, he, he finds it odd that they would come to Earth. Not because of any sort of technological limitations. He just thinks that they're out there, but why would they come to Earth? Like, what would make us so special for them to come here in the first place? Which is a, a very scientific way to look at it. It's special to us. Just like when we're flying in a plane or driving down the road and we, we drive past Patawa, Idaho. But you would drive past and you wouldn't think anything of it. You only stop there if you needed to, but you're probably going to stop by a bigger city. But to the people of Patawa, Idaho, it's their town. It's their home. The Fighting Huskies is their local football team, and they got all this pride there, and blah, 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 blah. It's a, that, we're basically Patawa, Idaho, in the galactic scheme of things. But we do sure love our Huskies. There is a reason. Think, of, think about this story for a second. There is a reason why one of these is more popular than the other. Right. There is one of these why we know all about the bases on the moon or ancient aliens or crop circles. This is all alien lore 101. This is something you learn when you first start researching aliens. You learn these conspiracy theories. But organic aliens in space floating around like that, single-cell organisms kind of clumping together and and evolving in the atmosphere, that's a more of a high-level conspiracy theory. And it shouldn't be, because people are willing to go... People who have been to space are willing to go on the record and say, this is what we saw. This should be well-known knowledge. This should be conspiracy theory UFO lore 101. It should be one of the first things you see when they talk about it. Before we get to Betty and Barney Hill, before we get to cattle mutilations, before we get to an entire series based on ancient aliens, this should be ground zero. The building blocks for life have been seen in outer space, right next to our planet, by people who are trained observers and seen on two different missions. So you can't say, oh, it was just, a... he had some... he had a worm in his eye. He's like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have been swimming in that swamp. Right before takeoff. I find it interesting. I don't know if it's by design that the, the true stuff is pushed aside by the knowably false stuff. Even in this article itself by Vicky Verma, that is apparent. This should have been the top you didn't need the people on the moon the the base whatever it was the aliens on the crater I've literally already I literally already have a hard time remembering what that was because it's just fake and this is so fascinating this was real so why are we as a UFO community as UFOologists why do we do it as well continually push away the stuff that is real for the stuff that isn't I mean, there have been massive, massive flaws pointed in the ancient aliens theorem. And I'll put this link in the show notes again. There's a guy who did a three hour long video breaking it down almost episode by episode showing how this stuff is not aliens over and over and over again. No one's watching that. People just want to hear about ancient aliens. And I have no problem. I love aliens. I have no problem discussing it. But we should be discussing the stuff from firsthand observers in space. And sure, it's not laser beams. Sure, they're not building pyramids or creating crop circles or mutilating cattle. It's a, just a light. We don't even know if there's any consciousness in it. It's just a snake floating around in space. But it's real. May not be flashy, may not be dancing with a little top hat. It may not be plotting to take over the world, but it is life outside of the planet Earth. And even in a website, even in an article named after it, the headline is on it. It's buried in that article itself. Is this just because we don't have a big attention span? Is this just because we want the flashy stuff? Or is it more... Sinister than that. Is someone trying to hide the real stuff from us to sell us the Independence Day alien invasion or the Space Brothers coming to cure all of our diseases or the sinister men in black? It's all well and good. It's very entertaining. But the reality of just miles above us right now, there are proto-life forms slowly evolving at the edge of space. May not be enough for a whole series on History Channel. Or to sell a book. But Doctor Story Musgrave saw these things with his own eyes and put his reputation on the line to talk about them. That shouldn't just be an episode of an obscure television show from the 1990s. That should be something that all UFOologists know. It should be common knowledge among the UFO community. But it's not. And the mystery is, why? Radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio tiktok is at deadrabbitradio Dead Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but i'm glad you listened to it today have a great one guys